0: I'm Jason Mitchell, Head of Responsible Investment Research at Man Group. You're listening to A Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And I hope everyone is staying well. So here's a bonus episode that completes the circle to the discussion I had a little over a year ago with Sasha Sedan, FCA Director of ESG. Now, many of you will already know that the FCA published the final rules on the Sustainability Disclosure Requirements, or SDR, late last year. It's part of a larger package of ESG-related interventions, which includes an anti-greenwashing rule. The SDR is also a great example of second-mover advantage when it comes to sustainable finance regulation. That said, and as improved as SDR is, there are still questions which this episode tries to address. Like, how do institutional investors come into the fold for a framework primarily designed for retail investors? What about overseas funds? And what does a more principles-based approach mean for establishing baseline expectations in areas like stewardship, where funds, even by the FCA's measure, have fallen short? So all of this is to say that I thank the FCA and Sarah Woodruff, manager of ESG policy and the advisory team at the UK Financial Conduct Authority for discussing these issues. We talk about what the FCA's new SDR framework means for investors, how it aims to provide anti-greenwashing protections per its mandate of consumer protection, and why a sustainable finance investment labeling regime could well be the antidote to one focused purely on disclosure. One last note before we start. This episode was recorded in late December. Since then, there are two updates. First, the anti-greenwashing consultation that's mentioned has closed. And second, the FCA has now published details of their industry-led working group for financial advisors. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah Woodruff. It's great to have you here and thank you for taking the time today.
1: Uh, Hi, Jason. Really looking forward to the conversation.
0: So, Sarah, this discussion veers a little bit onto the technical side. But before that, I'd like to start with a little scene setting. So first, what does the development of the SDR reveal about taking a principles-based versus a rules-based approach to sustainable finance regulation? And I think second, how does the FCA think about the SDR as either a competing or coexisting complementary regime to the EU SFDR?
1: Great question. And you're absolutely right. When we published the policy statement in November of this year, we have moved to a more principles based regime, but still one that sets very high standards. So in response to the extensive feedback we got, we had over 240 responses to the consultation. We took the rules up a level and we made the regime simpler and more principles based as opposed to being perhaps too prescriptive. So we wanted it to be practical to allow the market to develop and to facilitate innovation while not compromising consumer protection. And more broadly, you will know that the FCA has committed to taking an outcomes and principles based approach to regulation. It allows us to protect consumers and market integrity while encouraging innovation. And critically, our regime is consistent with the consumer duty. And I think what I want to emphasise is this regime should help maintain the UK's position as a world-leading centre for asset management and sustainable finance. By attracting sustainable investments and ensuring that they support a thriving, sustainable economy, the regime helps promote innovation and drive long-term productivity and growth and international competitiveness. And in response to the second part of your question... Does the FCA see SDR as, as, as complementary? Yes, we do. It is a complementary regime to the EU's SFDR. And we've ensured as far as possible that it's compatible with that regime. SFDR came first and, and, and we've had the opportunity to learn from their feedback and incorporate it into our proposals Our starting point is is different. We're introducing a labelling regime rather than a disclosure-based regime. So we're categorising products with labels that are underpinned by clear and objective qualifying criteria. However, firms should be able to use much of the information they already use for SFDR product categorisation and disclosure to meet our criteria and our disclosure requirements. We tried to make it easy, and we've included a mapping of how our proposals map to SFDR in the policy statement. And I'd end by saying that, you know, the Commission has an ongoing review of SFDR and the consultation proposals, which include consideration of a labouring regime. So we will continue to engage and support EU counterparts to encourage interoperability and compatibility. You pointed
0: to this a little bit, but how exactly... Does the SFDR fit with the notion
1: of consumer duty? So we designed the regime so that it fits with the consumer duty. We've ensured that our guidance and requirements are in line and they take a similar outcomes-focused approach. For example, our, our disclosure rules are consistent with the consumer understanding under the duty While not all firms are in scope of the duty, we expect them to reply our rules and guidance keeping the duty in mind. Look at the anti-greenwashing rule that applies to all FCA-authorised firms. It requires them to ensure that sustainability-related claims made about their products and services are clear, fair and not misleading, and consistent with the sustainability profile of the products and service. It requires firms to make sure that consumers understand the claims that they're being made. And for some firms, this will be a new requirement, those that aren't subject to the duty. In the policy statement, we've set out in a number of places just exactly how the duty and SDR work together.
0: How much relevance does the SFDR have in the institutional space? It it seems like the FCA has deliberately been really measured in its approach in a way that is long removed from the EU SFDR. I guess what I'm saying is uh, portfolio management isn't in scope for now. The SDR only captures UK fund managers, non-UK domiciled funds also aren't in scope, even if managed by a UK fund manager. Labels are optional. Even the naming and marketing rules only apply to products marketed to retail investors, as per the FCA's mandate of consumer protection.
1: So this is this is a consumer regime. It's a re- regime that puts consumers at its heart. First and foremost, it's designed to help them navigate the market through labels and disclosures to give them better information and to enhance their trust. So you're right, it is predominantly aimed at retail investors and it's tested. The regime was tested with over 15,000 people, but the regime still applies to products marketed to institutional investors. Firms can choose to label products marketed to institutional customers the detailed product level disclosure requirements are targeted at more institutional investors and perhaps those retail investors who want to know more. And all authorised firms will be required to comply with the anti greenwashing rule and ensure their the claims are fair, clear and not misleading. In response to feedback, we, we added more clarity on this guidance and we're bringing and we're consulting on it now. Second limb of your question, portfolio managers. So we want to bring portfolio managers into the regime quickly. So we will be consulting to expand the regime to include them early in the new year. And yes, we'll consider extending the scope of the regime to pension products, perhaps in the midterm. And we'll work with Treasury to understand the options for extending the regime to overseas funds. But I have to be clear on this point, any Any extension is a matter for His Majesty's Treasury.
0: How do you see investors, essentially retail investors, for which the SDR has been developed, how do you see those investors exerting pressure on institutional investors uh, to bring
1: them into the fold? Great question. Um, The measures are intended to help retail investors have better confidence in identifying sustainable investment products and making those informed purchases So they should be able to see clearly if the product does what it says on the tin. Good information on sustainability claims and transparency about what the fund invests in means consumers can vote with their feet. So better industry standards should should improve integrity and create a more competitive market for firms. This may result in the increased provision of sustainable investment products and capital flows into sustainable activities.
0: The SDR essentially treats asset managers as, call it grown-ups, and seems to rely on market forces as the real discipline. In other words, if the KPIs you choose don't deliver on what you promise to your investors, the implication is that you'll be penalised through AUM outflows. And so it kind of seems like market forces, apart from the anti-greenwashing rule, start to play a much bigger role vis-a-vis supervisory and even enforcement activities. That's obviously a big divergence from the EU's approach. What's to stop an asset manager from choosing, say, KPIs that flatter their portfolio but aren't necessarily representative of their objective?
1: Thank you. I mean, this is a regime that is principle-based and puts the onus on firms to deliver good outcomes for their consumers. Um, As part of the consumer-facing disclosures, firms have to disclose the KPIs that demonstrate performance towards their objective and some contextual information. And if we look at the pre-contractual disclosures, firms have to provide details of the policy procedures and KPIs that the firm will use to monitor and demonstrate performance towards the sustainability objective. This should ensure that asset managers choose KPIs that, that are right and appropriate for their product. And again, we're not being prescriptive about which KPIs firms need to Used. It's up to them to determine which are most appropriate for their objective. But they will, of course, be held to account through their ongoing reporting.
0: You've talked about the direction of travel for portfolio management, but what about the eligibility of overseas funds?
1: So, as mentioned above, we do intend to consult on including portfolio managers early in the new year. With Treasury, we intend to work with them to understand the options for extending the scope to overseas funds. But again, a matter for Treasury.
0: Under the current marketing rules, essentially any reference to ESG, climate and sustainability risk in general seems to be prohibited without triggering additional reporting requirements. That obviously contrasts with the SFDR, where even Article 6 funds are obliged to address sustainability risk. Why did the FCA decide not to capture non-labeled funds under the consumer-facing disclosure requirement? It kind of seems like it'd be a good opportunity to create a sort of baseline, given UK asset managers already have to prepare things like TCFD reporting.
1: Thank you. So so you're right. We have captured those funds that make promotional sustainability-related claims, because Our testing showed that that's exactly what consumers wanted. If if firms promote products on the basis of sustainability characteristics, then they need to produce that better information for consumers to explain just what that means. We did consult originally on the requirement that firms should produce consumer-facing disclosures for all products. But we received feedback that this could add burden and cost for firms, and we recognise that that may not be proportionate. And the information may not be relevant for all products not using sustainability related terms. So this is why in our final rules, it's just those products that are promoted using sustainability related terms in naming and marketing that will need to produce that better consumer information.
0: If a fund is only considering sustainability risks in its investment decision-making, again, I'm thinking of SFDR Article 6 funds, does that mean it's considering material sustainability characteristics, therefore triggering disclosure requirements? I guess I'm wondering how broadly or narrowly the FCA interprets promotional references to ESG, because The SFTR means that any fund which has been designed to be compliant with it must talk about sustainability risks management in the pre-contractual disclosures to the fund.
1: So I think firms need to carefully consider the naming and marketing rules. But if a firm is making a short, factual, non-promotional statement about considering sustainability risks in its investment decision-making this is unlikely to be caught by the disclosure requirements. But if a firm is promoting this in marketing material in a prominent way, and that's the basis of its offer to consumers, it would be subject to the disclosure requirements. We set out in the policy statement that the, that marketing and, and using sustainability related terms is covered. But it's worth noting that Naming and marketing rules only apply when referring to sustainability characteristics and don't preclude firms from using sustainability-related terms in other contexts, such as to describe, say, the economic climate or the the financial impact. And as as I mentioned earlier, they don't apply to those short, factual, non-promotional statements we recognise that this, is, this, is, this will be a difficult um, area for firms to, to focus on. So what we will be doing is updating our website pages with examples and, and guidance on just what this means.
0: The rules do not cover the case of UK feeder funds, whose master funds are non-UK, i.e. overseas funds. So if the master is a fund which would typically be eligible for a label, based on its sustainability characteristics, were it based in the UK, how does the FCA see the rules applying to the feeder fund?
1: So as the master fund is an overseas fund and is out of scope, neither it nor the UK feeder fund would be able to use a label, even if the master fund met the eligibility criteria for a label.
0: Why did the FCA decide to go with a less- prescriptive stance on stewardship and disclosure rules and what are the expectations for stewardship given actions like active stewardship engagement and voting are now removed. This lack of guidance, at least for me, seems a bit at odds with a recent FCA review of ESG funds, which found that, quote, stewardship approaches generally did not meet its expectations, end quote. In fact, the FCA goes on to state that, quote, some firms appeared to rely heavily on stewardship activities without being able to demonstrate how they set, assessed, and monitored outcomes and how these linked to the investment objectives of funds, end quote.
1: So in response to feedback, we've taken a more principles-based approach to stewardship. And what that does is it really encourages firms to think about their stewardship strategy and how and what that is and what, what that needs to be to deliver the sustainability objectives for their products. And we don't prescribe what that strategy should look like or whether it's carried out at a product or firm level. We have to recognise that stewardship takes place in different forms, so disclosures may be cross-referenced from the UK Stewardship Code or in other stewardship-related reporting. What we're going to do is monitor stewardship developments carefully and consider whether and how to update our requirements accordingly. We encourage industry here to develop best practice tools and guidance. And in the meantime, we will continue to engage with our expert industry advisory group. And in terms of what firms need to do, they need to disclose what their, what their strategy is. And that, as I mentioned, can be firm level, but it will look very different depending on the different asset classes. We don't expect firms to demonstrate a causal link between their stewardship activities and outcomes. To qualify for any label, firms must identify and apply the investor stewardship strategy and resources needed to support achievement of the product's objective, including the activities the firm expects to undertake and the outcomes it expects to achieve. So while we aren't prescribing a specific strategy, we do require firms to be robust and transparent. And that's in line with the findings from the guiding principles review and in line with our principles-based approach.
0: Impact, at least in its initial form in the consultation paper, was rooted around the traditional language of additionality. What was behind the decision to omit the real-world impact language in the revised impact label?
1: Really, in response to feedback, when consulting, some stakeholders noted that all labels lead to some form of impact, and they called for clarity on the differences between the, at the time, three labels now, as, as you're aware, there's four. Um, so we removed reference to the real-world impact. So... We're clearer and we're simpler, and we recognize that all labels need some form of impact.
0: The FCA just released the guidance consultation on the anti-greenwashing rule. What's the point of creating an explicit anti-greenwashing rule when fair, clear and misleading language has always been a long-standing conduct of business principle and financial promotion? I guess as a a follow-up, why is it important that the SDR labels be trademarked? What powers does that give the FCA around, particularly enforcement action? Does it, for instance, allow you the powers to sue for infringement?
1: So the anti-greenwashing rule is a clarification of rules around our financial promotions, requiring them to be fair, clear and not misleading. But specifically in relation to sustainability Claims it goes a little further and is a little wider. For example, some cohorts of firms are now subject to those requirements. Benchmark administrators, as one example, so our new rule combined with the new guidance that we're consulting on aims to give more clarity for firms on expect on our expectations, and and this responds to feedback from the consultation. We give guidance that cons- that's consistent, not just with our rules, but with the advice and guidance from the Advertising Standards Authority and the existing guidance from the Competition and Markets Authority. And we've worked very closely with both the ASA and the CMA on this. And why is it important that the labels are trademarked? to ensure that they're used for for the correct purposes and and, and can't be amended. But we are confident that firms will use them correctly.
0: The new mixed goal label addresses many of the issues from the consultation paper, but a mixed goal fund that is, say, 99% impact and 1% improver could be viewed essentially the same as one that's 99% improver and 1%. Impact. So how can we protect against the greenwashing risk of, uh, call it equivalency, given the comparative ease of demonstrating the uh, improver label relative to the impact label?
1: So we don't think that risk exists as the mixed goal funds will still need to meet the tough general and specific criteria as set out in the policy statement. And they'll need to make the associated disclosures. Firms will also be required to disclose what percentage of their fund is impact, improvers or focus, providing transparency so consumers can understand what the fund consists of. And as long as those requirements are met, the actual mixed goal is up to the asset manager. As with the rest of the regime, we've tried to be prescript, not, we've tried not to be prescriptive, giving firms the flexibility they need, but with tough guardrails.
0: We, and I'm speaking as chair of UK SIF, have had some concerns over how financial advisors may interpret the regime and advise their clients on the suitability of funds under each of the categories. The independent working group confirmed advisor support, but can you talk about any further support the FCA will offer advisors and distributors?
1: Absolutely. And I must underline the absolutely critical role that financial advisors have have supporting customers with their sustainability preferences. So we are planning to establish an independent working group for the advisory industry to help continue building on existing capabilities in sustainable finance, including how the SDR and labels can support their role. And we'll announce more details of that early in the new year. But we're also hoping, and we know, that the consumer-facing disclosures will help everybody improve their understanding of the the sustainability-related characteristics of investment products.
0: And the last question. What was the logic of removing the requirement for independent party assurance of a strategy's credibility? instead leaving it to the manager? Does that signal the FCA's faith in institutional investors or the idea that there are other controls against greenwashing risk?
1: What we've been doing is carefully responding to feedback and and balancing industry and and other feedback. With regard to independent assessments, some respondents to the consultation were concerned that assessment or verification by a third-party would be costly and potentially not valuable until providers sufficiently developed um, capabilities to carry out such an assessment. With that in mind, we agreed that the best approach would not be to prescribe whether independent assessment should be via internal or third-party processes. What it needs to be, though, is it needs to be independent to the manager's investment process And those carrying out the assessment need to be appropriately skilled. And firms need to disclose the basis on which the standard is considered to be appropriate so that transparency should aid in reducing any greenwashing.
0: Excellent. So it's been fascinating to discuss what the FCA's new SDR framework means for investors, how it aims to provide anti-greenwashing protections per its mandate, of consumer protection, and why a sustainable finance investment labeling regime could well be the antidote to one focused purely on disclosure. So I'd really like to thank you for your time and insights today. I'm Jason Mitchell, Head of Responsible Investment Research at MAD Group, here today with Sarah Woodruff, Manager of ESG Policy and the Advisory Team at the FCA. Many thanks for joining us on A Sustainable Future, and I hope you'll join us on our next podcast episode.
1: Thank you.
0: I'm Jason Mitchell. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to our guests, and of course, everyone that helped produce this show. To check out more episodes of this podcast, please visit us at man.com forward slash ri-podcast.